In terms of the physicality, I think we won that battle over 80 minutes. I think we proved tonight that we are a physical team, and I think we've shown it over two games now, and you know, it's what's expected of us now. We're happy with the bonus point. If someone said you'd had uh, 10 points from the first two games, uh, we've been pretty happy with that. Job done. understood you know what they were going to bring to the table from a from a physicality standpoint and Gat spoke in the week about them being a mini Fiji in terms of offload game and you know they've got players who who want to snipe who want to run you know we understood the task that was ahead of us and and what Portugal would bring ten out of ten for Wales so far two bonus point wins Australia next from the south of France, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Go behind the scenes in the Welsh camp and find out much more about the preparation which goes into the performances. But we'll start looking back at the victory over Portugal. Job done in the end. Here's Captain Dowie Lake and coach Warren Gatland. We're happy with the bonus point. If someone said you did. Uh, 10 points from the first two games, uh, we've been pretty happy with that, job done, we've got the um, five points, so for some players to be honest about their own performance and where they can improve as well. We've done our homework, we understood you know, what they were going to bring to the table from a, from a physicality standpoint and Gat spoke in the week about them being a mini Fiji in terms of offload game and you know they've got players who who want to snipe, who want to run their scrum half and, and 15 are dangerous in, in open play. So I think you know we understood the task that was ahead of us and, and what Portugal would bring. In terms of the physicality, I think we won that battle over 80 minutes. And you know I think they spoke about our physicality in the week and I think we proved tonight that we are a physical team. And I think we've shown it over two games now. And you know it's what's expected of us now. Warren, uh, try-saving tackle from Talupi and an 83rd-minute try. Can you just talk about his growing influence now he's getting back to the Talupi we know? We know that he's not a player that, you know, say probably the best example is someone like a Richie McCall could be out for six months and then step straight into the top level international rugby. And um, with uh, Talupi, the more game time he has in a string of a run of games, he gets better, and that's why... After last week, even with a short turnaround, we wanted to give him some some more rugby, and I thought uh, you know he did some some really good things today, and I think you know he'll continue to get better with uh, with more rugby fitness. He's he's worked hard, you know he made some some good decisions in terms of that tackle, and obviously scoring that try at the end of the game, uh, hit and spin, and you know, probably not many people would have been able to score that from that situation. Maybe not for your nerves, but how good has it been for rugby as a whole, do you think, to see teams like Portugal playing well? We saw Uruguay go very well against France in the night. Yeah, I, I thought Uruguay were, were outstanding. It was great, and it's, it's brilliant for the game. You know, it's probably, you know, we've seen a couple of blowouts, but, um, you know, I think it's fantastic with Portugal sort of, I thought they played well tonight and showed a lot of enterprise, and then uh, you could argue that Uruguay were pretty unlucky in a, in a few situations as well. So, you know, we were aware of that, and... I think it's important that we continue, from a rugby perspective, you know, continue to help develop these 
tier two nations and, and maybe, you know, there might be a situation where, you know, we're able to increase the number of uh, teams in the World Cup to say 24 and then I think that would continue to help grow the game and, and um, that's an important aspect because you don't want the top tier nations dominating World Cups, you want, you want upsets and uh, as long as I'm not a part of it. So <laughs> and I think it's, it's a real positive, you know, going forward and to see teams competing and pushing other teams close. As we heard there, Tolupe Falatau's getting back to his best. He was pleased with the game. Yeah, we'll be happy with five points. Do you feel like there's you know, much more to come from the yeah, team going into so. Australia? Yeah, I think so. Like um, They were good today, staying in the game the whole time. Uh, we were hoping to get a few more tries on, on the board, but uh, it wasn't the case. But we'll be grateful to get the five points. You had two starts back from injury. How are you feeling generally? You pleased yeah, again, yeah, that, was a, that was a tough game, I'll be honest. They, they were chucking the ball around, chasing shadows at, at times. They're, they're, they're pretty cool. They're pretty good at it, compared to them. But like I said, we're just pleased with the five points and there'll be plenty to work on going into the next couple of games. Morris, you're the sort of player that needs the game time, really. Yeah. Would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would, I would. Yeah, the more, the more time I play, I feel I can get myself into the game more. What is your level of expectation in this tournament as a group? With the work that we've done, we're pretty confident within the group of, uh, of what we can do. Um, I think well, that's our approach going forward with um, each game at a time um, and knowing the, the hard work that's been put in back in that and the togetherness that's been built throughout that time together put us in good stead going forward So certainly no fear of playing Australia next week? No, I don't think so like it's we've just got to concentrate on ourselves um, there'll be a lot to, to work on from from today's game and we'll look to, to make those improvements going into Australia Toby, where do you think this squad compares to previous uh, World Cup teams you've been involved in? You've obviously got to semi-finals and yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, like I said, the, the time we've had together, there's definitely a belief within the group going into to each game. I think we believe that we can get a result against any team on the day. But we'll take confidence from our two wins now. There's definitely plenty to work on and we'll do that in the next uh, couple of days going into Australia. It was another try-scoring night for Louis Rees Summit. Yeah, it was a tough game. You know, we know they, they light up off transition and, you know, we had some errors in the, in the first 20 minutes, which, um, you know, they hit a couple 50-22s, which wasn't great. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we got the five points. Talk us through the try and the celebration. Yeah, I saw there was no backfield and I put a grubber through and thankfully the bounce, <laughs> I got the, got the bounce and, you know, Ronaldo's my favourite player. You know, I wear his boxes, I do everything. And, uh, you know, I thought, why not hit his celebration as well? A few of my mates back home wanted me to do it because um, they're massive football fans and obviously we don't play Portugal often. And <laughs> I said, if I score, I do it for him. From two wins, perfect record now going into yeah, Australia. 10 points, absolutely buzzing about it. You know, it wasn't our greatest game again. But as we said, we've got a lot to learn. And going into Australia, we know they're going to be a physical team and, you know, we got to step it up a gear again. Where is your confidence levels as a team going into that game? Yeah, high. I think two wins and, you know, when you don't get perfect wins, you know, there's always a lot to improve on, which is great. You know, we need that progress and, you know, we got eight days until the next game now, so we'll have a good training week and hopefully build on to Australia. Well, back rower Jack Morgan didn't even know he was going to be playing until five minutes before the end of the warm-up. First time I think that's, uh, that's ever happened uh, to myself, so yeah, it was uh, a bit nerve-wracking, uh, uh, being told to go, go in uh, last minute, but uh, no, it wasn't too bad. How late was it before the game that you got told that you were coming straight in? Uh, probably about five minutes before the end of the warm-up, I think, Yeah, so, so quite late. And it was pretty impressive for the way you played, with no prep? We prep uh, as a team throughout the week, so... Um, 
you know, I think anyone who, whoever goes out on the field is, is ready ready to play. So uh, the Tommy uh, Tommy couldn't play, and hopefully he, he'll be all right. Uh, he'll be good now and then. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, just uh, prep. Uh, everyone preps in a week uh, to, to get ready to play. So ten points out of ten, you must be pretty happy with these, this opening to the tournament. Yeah, yeah, definitely happy. It's a great start for us, you know. There's times uh, that uh, we've, we've let ourselves down with uh, discipline and errors, and you know we've got plenty to work on and, and learn from in the last two games. But to have uh, ten points in the first two games, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great start for us. How much do you feel, Jack, as a group, you need to step it up before you play Australia? Yeah, yeah, you know we, we we'll have to step it up. Um, you know we'll we we'll review the today now uh, against against Portugal, and you know gotta give credit to Portugal. And I thought they were they were brilliant today. Uh, uh, and it really put us in a lot of pressure. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's important that we review and, and get ready for next week. Jack, how much confidence have you guys there are your first World Cup taken from this? You know, to win and get the perfect start must have been a real boost to your confidence that you can do it at this level. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a massive boost of confidence, you know, for, for everyone, especially with uh, how much hard work we, we, we've done over the last few weeks and months. So yeah, so we can take a, a lot of confidence from it and, and, and a lot of growth from it as well for the for the uh, upcoming uh, couple of games. You've still got something in the tank for Australia after the quick timber. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, we'll uh, prep well now this week ready for, for Australia. So that's on the field in the south of France, but let's go behind the scenes in the Welsh camp now. The day before the Portugal game was a chance to sit down with strength and conditioning coach John Ashby to find out a bit more about the stuff we don't get to see. Well, John, we're sitting in the cafe of the team hotel it's obviously a very nice place to, to go day before game day maybe a bit of a chance for relaxation and a, a chance to sort of catch up a bit and what goes on behind the scenes with the Wales team so first of all welcome to the podcast you must be enjoying yourself out here yeah yeah fantastic yeah thank you for having me yeah we've um, we've been out here for about a week and a half now two weeks on tour so we're just into sort of tour lifestyle and stuff like that yeah so um, thankfully we won at the weekend as well against Fiji so everyone's in a big positive mindset and ready for, uh, ready for Portugal when it came to those last few minutes, no one was worrying too much about the conditioning work they'd done. They were delighted they'd done it. Oh yeah, yeah. We um, we've we've, uh, we've given them a tough old 16 weeks of this time. Yeah. So luckily, we're in very good fit, physical condition, and um, yeah, hopefully it showed. Just first of all, just explain your role, your title. What what do you yeah. do for the team? So I'm a strength conditioning coach for the Welsh men's national team so that basically involves making sure they're fit enough do their weights with them their nutrition their fitness their recovery it's quite a wide ranging role which is why i particularly like it every four years you get this opportunity is it your favorite part of the cycle yeah 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 definitely so the not the issue is the challenge is when you come to six nations and tours outside the world cup you only have them for a very small amount of time before so for example when we get them for the first six nations match we basically have 10 days with them until we're playing a test match so that's always the challenge so um, for this time around we've had them since end of April beginning of May so it's a big chunk of time so you can finally get your hands on them and obviously a lot of that's dedicated to strength and conditioning so yeah this is sort of our this is our big moment really and but we're luckily as well when we come to Six Nations times and tours we have a great relationship with the regions so with the re- I always want to say this as well but the regions work really hard to make sure our guys in decent condition when they come on to us for the Six Nations and November series but now this time we've had such a big chunk of time we can sort of like do exactly what we want set our mark and have no real limitations How long does the planning take? Oh well we started the main planning two and a half years ago two and a half years ago from a conditioning point of view so as we're going to talk about later we went on some camps as well um, so I went on 
a Switzerland recce two and a half years ago and went on tour after that. There have been recce's to Turkey as well for the training camps as well. And then our tour manager as well, Martin Williams, and head coaches, head of departments, and my boss, Hugh Bennett, head of analysis, Roger Bound, head of medical, Pravmathema, all went on recce's to all the individual sites yeah, that were playing in the group stages and court finals to sort of discuss hotels, training grounds, ever. So, yeah, it's probably about two to three years in the making this World Cup yeah it's, it's long it's a lot longer than what people think how many places do you go to and rule out because presumably the criteria is pretty strict well what I think what happens with the World Cup I'm not an expert in this because I don't do it but I think you get told for example you'll get the games in Nice this weekend you get given by World Cup three to four choices you don't get to choose one particular hotel for example we stayed in another hotel during the Six Nations but that was our choice you get three or four hotels hotels to choose from you pick the best one from there training venues may get given and there's quite certain restrictions but you have choices and that's why it's so important to do the recce because sports teams have such specific needs in hotels training grounds weight rooms examples so yeah it's a it's a hard thing to do for the sports staff give us some examples of those specific needs that you, so, you have to have for example in a training ground um, a training venue obviously the most important thing is the pitch so you want a good quality pitch um, from a, it's, a, it's mad from an amateur perspective. You have your old rugby club at home, and sort of like there's random holes there. The green isn't perfect as well. An elite standard. We want as good a condition as a pitch as possible because we're used to great condition pitches at home where our training base at the Vale. We want it as good as possible. So as good as possible greens, perfectly clear, no potholes or anything like that. And you sort of describe it um, as well. So that's a big, big thing. Also, we're looking at from the analyst's point of view. So, Roger Brown, Mark Kinnard, Todd Taylor, Chris Berry as well, they're analysts. They, and they look at vantage points as well. So, usually uh, a platform or a stand to look at so they can get good views as well. Um, from a medical point of view, they need change rooms, medical beds, supplies, etc. From our point of view, it'll be the gym is the big one for us as well. So, majority of these venues that we get given, France World Cup have been great and they built an actual marquee gym right next to right on the training facility so we're looking for certain standards of gyms for example squat racks um, and lifting platforms where we do the most of our work on as well so the number of them that we have the standard of them what we can do because it, it changes then our schedule if we can fit in a whole squad in a, in one or we have to split it up with forwards and backs etc like so um, we have very specific needs and what we have um, from a conditioning point of view with, with the weight room as well because we know what our players need a lot of weight obviously because they're shifting a lot of weight um, certain specialist bits of equipment different to a traditional uh, like commercial gym so squat racks lifting platforms weights platforms as well so a lot of these guys because of the bumps and bruises from rugby matches have various pathologies so we have to cater for that as well so specialist sort of bars pads etc and if, if they're not there we have to bring it with us as well presumably once upon a time these things were just right everybody run around the pitch but now you've probably got 33 different yeah. programs for 33 yeah, well, people well i think we sort of back in the back in the day probably before in the amateur era as well it's sort of strength conditioning wasn't really that it was basically just turn up on the pitch and train work your hardest that type of thing but things are developed now so with professionalism you have different modes of weightlifting powerlifting getting stronger these guys are getting stronger more powerful because our nutrition uh, nutrition's developed a lot so we have a nutritionist chris edwards so specializing the guys have actually yeah, everything at their dispos disposal, basically. So they have the supplements to increase their lean mass, their power, their recovery. They have gym programs. I wouldn't say specified for them, so we do a generic program for everyone. And then we try, because 
the thing is you can do individual projects for every single person to different sinks, but everyone's not in sync with each other, so one person must be peaking at this time to figure that. So what we do is we do a very generalised programme. So we know exactly where every single player is, they're all exactly the same. And then, for example, if a guy, for example, can't squat, we change his exercise to what he's used to as well. So, for example, because a guy may have a shoulder injury, he can't hold a bar in a normal position, squat position, so they may go to a safety bar. They may have uh, various pathologies where they can't go to a depth, so squat to a different depth. Um, they may deadlift instead, they may belt squat, they may leg press as well. So we, we do a generalised programme and then we make it specific to the injury after that. So there's lots of different sort of, um, call it contraindications basically. So a player may, he can't axle load, so you can't put a bar on your back ever and because he might have hurt himself in a match, scrummaging, etc. So we do a belt squat, so basically the weight comes from your hips rather than your shoulders. So there's lots of little intricacies that we look in the gym programme. I'm assuming it's a lot to do because you've obviously got the players who are playing, but also, I guess, getting closer to match time. Maybe the ones that aren't are yeah. a key part of your role too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the, um, the non-squad guys, the so guys that aren't in guys, are a huge part of the training. So from a coach's point of view, and the players put a big emphasis on it, they're the biggest people to help the team. So in training, for example, this week, the guys that aren't selected would organise running all Portugal, how Portugal play. So they look at Portugal's players, how they play like that, and that's... I can't, I can't go to it for not from my point of view, from a players and coaching point of view. It's a really important thing that helps them out is the non-squad driving the training, being that opposition. And then what we aim to do as the strength conditioning coaches is that because they miss out and obviously playing a match, we need to maintain their fitness levels and their running loads from the GPS load, how much they run, the intensity of load. So when they come to next week, there isn't a big difference in their training load, so they're at the same point. So we, we give them a good training blast at the moment. So on... We trained, so I'm all out with my days, but we we trained on Wednesday and they did a bit of extra training on Wednesday afternoon. Yesterday we had off. We did at team run today after the non-squad boys helped out with the team run. They came with me and we did a big running session. And then tomorrow we'll be doing some off-feet conditioning and weights as well. So they work, so the aim is, is that they do the same amount of stimulus as if they were playing. Because we get all the tackle stats passing, carrying yep. meters made, etc. What sort of distances are they going during a game? In, in a game, so it sort of varies. So anything from sort of like probably five to eight k, I go at the highest, and it's it's from a distance point of view. That's a general thing as well. But there's a thing called high speed distance. So we have a specialist sports scientist called Ryan Chambers, and he does all the GPS downloading process and interpretation as well. So he's much more has much more knowledge about me but conditioners have to have a fairly decent knowledge so it's not just the distance you go it's how quick you go as well so there's a thing called high speed distance so it's a distance that you run above a certain velocity so it's for example it's not just jogging it's jogging fairly quickly you would call it as well high speed running so it's that's a very important variable it's not just the distance that you run it's how much of that is a high speed variable as well so yeah it's it's that development has come on in the past 10 years a, a hell of a load really so we can track players a for injury prevention as well for example if they've done not much in one week and then the next week they do way too much running there could be a risk of injury there but also from a performance point of view as well we know exactly what distances and intensities of running we can get guys at and it's a good measure of your fitness level how how much intensity you can actually create in your running in your running and rugby sessions which drives the fitness so we're here south of france it's pretty hot outside probably yep. hotter than it normally is at this time of year yep. You took heat into account in your pre, you know, your pre World Cup warming yeah. pro, pro, warm up program. You must be pretty pleased you did that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we're lucky. So we did it uh, four years ago in Japan, and 
basically the main thing was Japan because obviously Japan is always quite warm. For example, I remember when we played Australia and it was something like 28 degrees at 9 o'clock at night and 80% humidity or something crazy like that. Um, and what you can do is you can do heat training for it as well. So we went to Turkey and Glora Sports Arena. So you can do heat training to acclimate yourself to training in the heat. Basically get yourself used to it, get yourself physiologically ready. And uh, what you can do is you train. And if you train, for example, um, heat training is all derived by core temperature. So the temperature of your inner body basically your core of your body and once you train acutely so for one session once that core temperature gets above a certain temperature it's around 38 and a half degrees things start going wrong basically from a performance point of view so it's called cardiac drift so your heart rate gets very high there's enough blood going to the muscles etc etc so your performance starts to deteriorate you get dehydrated you cramp etc but if you do two to three sessions actually with your higher core temperature it gives you various physiological benefits and adaptations to training in the heat for example your core temperature it takes longer to get up to that threshold temperature which stuff starts breaking down your plasma volume so the amount of blood you have in your body actually increases so more plasma volume more blood oxygen can get to your muscles fitter you are for example you're actually your your sweat becomes less concentrated with salt, so then you lose less salt in your body. There's various things, and you can get that adaptation very quickly. The trick is, is that you get the benefits of heat training very quickly, but you lose it very quickly. So you lose the benefits if you don't do other stuff within about 10 days of when you come back from your heat camp. So you do various things to maintain that. Like you, we would get guys to sit in a hot tub or sauna for an hour after training to maintain that core temperature increase. Um, so we did that for Japan. Um, and we did that about two weeks before um, uh, we actually went to Japan. So it's a very small amount of time kind of benefits. This time around, because France is obviously less hot, temperaturally hot than in Japan, we did it slightly longer before. So we probably lost a bit of the benefits, but we tried to man maintain that. Um, and yeah, very lucky because obviously I think the Fiji match, it was around, well, I think around 25 degrees or something like that. So it's hot, it's not real hot, but the good thing is from a physiological point of view, they probably didn't maintain the benefits as much gone, but we knew that anyway, we planned for that, but it's getting you psychology to training at those temperatures and intensities. So it's mad, for example, Turkey was, well, I think it was 44 degrees we trained at one point. Yeah, that was, that was bad, and we're doing full on 15 on 15 training as well. So yeah, one of the hardest things the players have done, I would probably say. And more from John next week, including how Wales took over a mountain as part of their preparations, as well as the reaction after the Australian game, of course. So more from France in the Welsh Rugby Union podcast next week. But until then, goodbye.